Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today, I'm interviewing my friend, Caitlin Sullins, on the topic of discipleship. Caitlin is a pursuer of delight, cultivating reflections of the God in whom it is found. She lives in Tyler, Texas with her husband, Tyler, who's a counselor, and her precious dog, River. Caitlin is the current Forge Women's Director at Pine Cove Christian Camps. I've watched her make disciples in a variety of contexts, and I know that we all have a lot to learn from her. This is one of my favorite topics in all the world, and I can't wait to share our chat with you today. As always, thanks for listening. Okay, so explain the Forge a little bit for anybody who hasn't heard of the program and what the position is that you're in now. So the Forge is a discipleship program for 19 to 25-year-olds, so mostly college students or college grads. But our hope is that we would prepare leaders and develop followers, specifically of Jesus Christ, for a lifetime of good works. So we do that by crafting this really cool program that lasts eight months and um, kind of inserting a lot of different environments and opportunities that we believe gives people the opportunity to come to know Jesus in a new way and understand themselves as they understand their creator in a way that brings hope and freedom and then allows them to hopefully leave from where we are to go serve Jesus fearlessly with all that they are because they know hopefully at that point, more of how the Lord created them to do that. Man, you're making me nostalgic. <laughs> yes. Cry over no, here. Yes. <laughs> so Caitlin and I met through this program and now she's like working this program. She's executing, doing this program, facilitating. That's the right word. Executing might work because if it runs into the ground, you can totally blame me too. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah, I don't even remember exactly why I asked you that question, but part of the reason why I've asked you to come on the show today is to discuss the art of disciple making. And even through you talking about your jobs, I'm thinking, man, there's so many opportunities. One of the things we talked about as we were Forge Sisters is that God prepares you for what he has prepared for you. And so there's so many seasons. I, I wish we had longer than an hour because there's so many different things I know you've done personally to develop this skill of discipleship. But before we get any further, I I want you to explain to someone if they don't know exactly what we're talking about when we say the word disciple or disciple making, what is discipleship? Yeah. <laughs> this is just funny. 
let me let me start before I even give you a definition. You know, when you uh, were fifteen or sixteen and you learned how to drive a car, and it was a it was a process because you had to figure out, okay, I put my my foot on the brake, and then I put the key in this little place, and then I start it. And there, there's you know so many things that have to take place in order for you to drive the car. But now you probably get in the car and you just drive, and ten minutes yeah. later you forget. Oh, what did I even do to make this happen? That's kind of the way I feel like discipleship is for, for a lot of people. And certainly for me right now, mm-hmm. when you even ask me to define what discipleship is, I think, well, goodness, I've been driving this car and I haven't stopped to think how I actually have done it. So this is really, this is good for me even to have to pause and think about the the inner workings of, of how Jesus calls us to follow him. Anyways, discipleship is basically a, a relationship where a learner is following to be like his leader. That's probably the most simple way I can put it. Um, not just know what his leader knows, but be as his leader is. So it, for us followers of Jesus Christ, I would say discipleship to Jesus is a direct adherence to the person of Christ in as many ways as you could think about that. I love the way I think it's a guy named Jane or uh, Kevin Smith, maybe. Okay. Oh gosh, I should get that. Maybe. Okay. We'll look James. That up. <laughs> yeah, look that up. James. James Smith. James K. Smith. Um, his definition for discipleship is a rehabituation of loves. Wow. Which I love, because as we want to learn to follow Christ um, in a way that makes us like Him, we are going to have to learn to love what He loves, mm-hmm. and in order to do that have to change my habits and what I'm actually doing because that so informs who I am. Um, that's probably one of the most simple definitions that I've found that really is, I mean, it hits home. Man, we share this passion. Yeah. So I'm over here stoked. I'm like, stoked. preach yeah. it. Okay. Well, tell me about, you know, you said you get in the car, you first learn how to turn the key, you know, put your foot on the brake shift out of park into reverse or whatever it is if you're pulling out of the driveway. Hopefully you don't back into the side of your house like I actually did. <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> but um, anyways, how how did you first get exposed to the art of disciple making on a personal level? Mm. That is a great question. So I... I would say I was exposed to discipleship before I knew what it actually was. Does right. that make sense? Totally. So I actually... Do you think we all are? Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, because all of life, we are looking to people to follow and imitate. And we have no idea that, uh, you know, as we follow someone that we might become like them, that that, that even is a process of discipleship. But I I mean, absolutely. We were created to want to be in intimate community with with one another. And I think discipleship is just one way that um, it it just makes sense that the Lord called us to make disciples because it's within our design to do things together like that and to imitate others. So yeah, I would, I mean, it was true for me. It happened all of my life and I had no idea it was happening until someone explained what it was. So So talk to me about that. What was kind of the first encounter with, oh, that's a thing. So, man, I remember things that my parents did all growing up that were just uh, them taking really teachable moments that could have been, you know, preached to anyone in that position. But because they knew me, Hmm. they specifically used that moment to direct my heart more towards Christ and obedience, obviously. Right. But I, it wasn't until probably 
high school that a, a girl at my church basically said, hey, I don't know you very well. You seem pretty cool. I would love to start meeting with you on a regular basis and, and just talk about the Bible, if that's okay with you, if that's something you'd be interested in. And she approached me and a handful of other girls. And honestly, I just wanted friends. I wanted connection. And so we, we started meeting on a weekly basis. And it was a very normal small group, as you would think of with any church, honestly. But uh, she was she was probably the first one that introduced me to this idea of following someone in order to become like them and how important that is that you would be following Christ in order to become like Christ. So it actually was a very personal thing. Like I learned how to be a disciple in a sense before I even thought about the fact that she was discipling me. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And honestly, I could talk all day about, I mean, any question you ask me about, you know, how do we disciple? What are the most important things in disciple making? I would say, stop. Are you following Christ? And what are you doing in your life to make sure that you are completely consumed by the affection of what Jesus has done for you on your behalf on the cross. And and then we can talk about what does that look like practically moving forward. But honestly, the more, and I, and I have only been paid to do this for a year, let's be honest. I know very little in comparison to those that have gone before me. But the more that I am in a place of discipling people, the more I am challenged, man, just on a a like very visceral level, what do I want? Do I want Jesus and the things of him or do I want other things? Because that will determine where I'm actually leading people if they are willing to follow. And so, man, yeah, I could talk all day about that. Do you ever feel like you get so busy making disciples that sometimes you allow that to overcome what you're talking about, just staying tethered um, to the reality of the gospel? And then you get you're like, wait a second, I've got nothing to give here. Yes. So, and, and honestly, Hunter, you, I would imagine that's what it's like as a mom sometimes. Like the, there's so many things that just need to happen and human beings that need to be nurtured and tasks totally. that need to be done that you just have to get up and do it. And, uh, and, and oftentimes that's true. Like it needs to be done and you do it through the power of Jesus in you. And maybe it doesn't look like, yeah. you know, take, taking time that morning to sit aside and, you know, pray for an hour. But absolutely. I, I found myself there many times and, and honestly, pretty recently kind of found myself in a place of what I would consider a, a numbness of affection, probably hmm. where, uh, okay. I would say that the Lord has captured my heart. My, my life is, is his and I am nothing without him. However, I feel very little about that. Right. And so what, what does that mean, um, about, you know, my life today. And that's where discipline comes in. And gosh, you would be a great person to ask questions about that in terms of just what rhythms do I have in my life that, that honestly do keep me tethered and constantly preoccupied with the fact that I want Jesus to be my greatest affection, that my heart, my soul, and my mind would love him with all that I am. And then that everything else would flow from that. So. Well, I I really don't have very much, but we did have a a gal on the podcast. Um, I believe her episode is number four. Mm -hmm. And we talked about studying the word. And I asked her about that. What do you do when you come to the word and and you just feel dry? Everything just feels kind of flat. 
you know? And she brought this prayer that we've all heard David say in Psalm 51, where he says, restore, he cries out to the Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And I'm like, that is such a good prayer for those seasons where you just kind of feel numb. Like you said, a little apathetic, even though you know the reality and the beauty of what Christ did for us on the cross, but you just need some help from the spirit to like remember that in a way that really just connects with your heart. So Ugh, I've totally been yeah. there. Uh, That's good. I'm writing that down. I know. I've, I've already, we'll get show notes, people. So for everything <laughs> Caitlin's saying, I will be typing it down because I'm like, okay, definition of discipleship. <laughs> like, okay, hold it back on her, ring it in. <laughs> I need to watch what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, t- you know, when we're talking about making disciples, we talked a little bit about your history um, and how the girl came to you and she kind of formally asked, I'd like to hear, you know, is there a difference between formal discipleship and general discipleship? And is that distinction important to us as believers? Okay, great, great question. And and I'm thinking about this from the standpoint of someone who wants to make disciples while they you know, get off of work at 5 p.m. and go home, or if they're, you know, taking care of kids all day at home and want to bring people along with them. Okay. Because I have the very, very rare place of getting paid full time to do this, which I just can't believe someone pays me to do. But I, I even, you know, whenever I can't do this or don't have the opportunity, I am so excited to be making disciples uh, in other areas of life. So, and you were and have been just for the yeah, record. I mean, for the record. <laughs> Thank you. You're Before you were paid. Uh, yeah, but I, I just, yeah, it, I think it looks way different in both contexts. So, uh, formal and general discipleship, I think there is a difference. I don't know that one is better than the other, but uh, Jesus calls us to be making disciples, this general call, go make disciples. Okay. So we all have that call on our life. How we do that, I think looks different based on how each of us are made. Mm. The difference between that and what maybe you're talking about informal discipleship, whereas there would be a uh, defined relationship. Yeah, a DTR. Okay, Yes, a DTR between a (laughs) disciple and a disciple maker. My my opinion is in both relationships, uh, someone is following and someone is leading. Uh, it is a mutual transformation, absolutely. In the formal discipleship where someone says, you know, hey, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ, there is ample room there for uh a a prodding into of that person because they have said, yes, I actually want this. I am open. I am eager. I will be faithful. I will be teachable. So it is, it's, there's just a freedom there. And I think a lot can, can happen within that relationship. So formal, I would say is preferable maybe. Mm -hmm. However, I also know the world that we live in and there are going to be girls that desperately need to know Jesus that um, maybe will, will think that that is the strangest thing in the world for someone to come up to them and say, Hey, I would like for you to follow me, please. Right. Uh, 
and especially if they have no idea who this Jesus is, you know? And so I think things can turn into a formal relationship where they start in a very general way and a friendship. Basically, I think the disciple maker needs to be incredibly intentional and purposeful in what am I doing and how am I doing it, regardless of whether they tell the person they are discipling what is happening or how it's happening. I think the importance would be that the disciple maker knows here's basically here's where I want to lead them Hmm. and and then you can decide how to do that. So that's that's a great question. You know, does it matter if it's defined? I honestly don't think it does. I think it can can be a lot easier if it is defined, but uh, it might depend on the the person, right, and the situation at hand. Absolutely. I've got like a million follow up questions on that because, you know, for gals that are wanting to make disciples, do you think let's let's take it to a college situation? You know, when you enter into some kind of relationship like that, is it just this ambiguous, hey, I'm going to follow you for however long? Or is it something that like people typically talk about? Let's like try this out for a certain amount of time. You know, just the logistics of that. It can get a little weird when real life is happening and it's like real people. Oh my gosh. Yes. I actually think it's incredibly important to have a very defined time, uh, if not for both people, specifically for the disciple, um, because there's a, there's a lot of ramifications. If we just say, uh, if, if we become a a certain person or thing in someone's life, um, they, they are no longer ever going to be sent out to then make disciples. If we never remove ourselves from that place in their life in a certain aspect. So I think, um, Practically, it it would behoove us to be pretty upfront and formal about the relationship so that we can say, hey, I see these things in you and I'd love um, to talk to you about them. Let's say over the next, you know, three months, let's do this. And then, you know, at, you know, during that time, you can talk about what happens at the end of these three months, we could keep meeting, or I can send you out and you officially become my peer, because you are then going to go make disciples just like I have of you. So I think that's, that's a huge question, because otherwise people, I mean, we get comfortable and we keep doing what we're doing. And then this whole idea of multiplying disciples actually stops with us, because, uh, we never encourage people to go do what we're doing, which mm. is the whole point. That makes sense. Okay, so tell me this. For somebody who's listening and they're thinking, well, am I even ready to make disciples? How do you know when you're ready to make a disciple? <laughs> do you follow Jesus? Because if so, people can follow you as you follow him. Mm. I mean, it is very, very simple. Everybody who is making a disciple is going to have a moment when they say, curse word, I did that wrong. You know, like, (laughs) what was I thinking, you know? Um, Or, you know, you're going to reach a place where you have no idea what to say to this question or how to deal with, you know. But I think that the best life lessons, those things that are deep down in the heart that we need to explore happen in those moments of real life, if you will, when, when we just have no idea what to do or what's happening. So I, yeah, if you're looking for a prerequisite in terms of 
what do we need to have in order to make a disciple? You need to be a disciple yourself, and that is the only thing. Now, I think caveat, maybe if, if we're struggling with a, a serious sin that is pervasive in our life and um, we just can't get a hold of it, maybe maybe that's a moment to go, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get with some people and, and really work on submitting this under Christ mm. um, before I bring someone along with me, because it'll be really easy to, to lead someone not to the face of Christ and instead uh, to wherever I want to take them if mm-hmm. I'm not actually following him. So I think there are seasons in disciple making, but prerequisites, shoot, you need to follow Christ. And, it, and if that's the case, I think you should be making a disciple, however formal or not making a disciple. It just sounds like making a baby. <laughs> I love that. Maybe it's very similar. You can tell me. I kind of think it is. I kind of think it is having made babies and disciples. I do. I think it is. And that's where even you talking about your first experience with discipleship, that is what mothering is. Nurturing life in the face of death right there. I love that. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. Um, okay, so we talked about what it what's required of you to be a disciple maker. Right. But if you're a believer and you're looking for someone to disciple you, are there certain things that you would suggest we look for? Oh, that's a great question. So if if I am looking for someone to disciple me, Correct. what should I be looking for in that person? So, yes, again, I think it probably is different for everyone because uh, it's not incredibly important necessarily to be best friends with that person, but I think you get to choose who to follow. So you yeah. might as well follow someone who you really enjoy. So... Um, there is that you have the freedom to, uh, seek out someone who honestly you'd like to be like, whether that's someone you enjoy being around because of, you know, their spiritual maturity or whether that's someone who you see, man, they, they do this in a way that I just don't, that's not a part of my wheelhouse. And I really want to learn that, you know, that can be a part in it, but when I think about who I want to disciple me, I specifically look for devotion mm-hmm. and sacrifice. And I honestly don't, I, I don't know why I could tell you that those are the two things that I look for other than um, a devotion, a wholehearted, like giving over of oneself to a person or a cause, and that being the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, 
will require sacrifice. So if I see someone who is devoted and is sacrificing for the people around them, that's what I see and go, holy cow, I want to learn how to do that because that's, that, that is evidence that the Lord has changed your heart and changed what you love because your life is a completely different matter and purpose because of that truth. And, and I want to know how to do that. that. That is also to say that I really struggle with viewing people sometimes as hindrances to my goal getting done. Yeah. So... So sacrifice is absolutely something that I need to be practicing on a daily basis just to remind myself of who I am in light of who God is and the inherent value that he has placed upon his children. So that might be a really personal answer. Um, mm. So weigh, weigh that you know, with, with a grain of salt or whatever pithy saying goes well with that contextually. <laughs> so, I like um, that. Devotion yeah. and sacrifice. I'm going to be thinking about that for sure. And I, and I think even just listeners thinking about, wow, what does my life show to others? Would someone want to follow me? Um, what would it say to them about my relationship with Jesus? Those are just really good questions to think through. Um, Absolutely. Okay, man, there's so many things because I, I, I just, I want people to know who they're listening to and what you do. Not just in your job, but I'm thinking about even when you were in college and you were doing mm-hmm. discipleship. I've seen you do discipleship right. in so many different seasons. Mm-hmm. And I guess the question that I want to ask to try and pull out some things for the listeners who are desiring to make disciples themselves is what kind of lessons are you trying to walk these girls through in the relationship that you have with them? Yeah. Okay. So in terms of principal lessons that I would say are go-tos when you are making a disciple, those have evolved and changed over the years. Absolutely. As I would expect for everyone, because you are making disciples as a product of what it looks like for you to follow Christ. So honestly, the more that you are learning, the more that you are then changing and what you're pouring out, you know, Mm. where where you used to have a message of complete freedom, you will continue to preach that within the gospel. And then also, you know, add on to that, um, other truths that help someone, um, understand it in a more full, rich way. So let me, let me try and use less words here to try to define some go-tos. So one of the, man, if I'm going to meet with a girl, the first three times that I am with her, we will we will do nothing except get to know each other and it will look a lot like me exploring her for as much as i possibly can unfold in in those few times so i'm going to ask about um, her family, her heritage. I want to know where she came from, what the the home that she grew up in was like. That tells me so much about her if I can just know where she came from, right? I want to know uh, what other people in her family are like. I want to know what her relationship with her father is like if she'll describe it for me. Uh, I ask about her passions, her hopes, her dreams. I ask about heartbreaks. I mean, I, I don't even have a list, but as much as you can explore a person to simply get to know them as you would a, a best friend, um, that, 
that then builds relational capital in order for you to move forward where they even have a reason to listen to your feedback because they have to know that we care, right? So that's definitely where I start, right? Love that. Okay, so getting to know them mm-hmm. and then moving forward, does it depend on who they are, like the things that you're trying to draw out? It has everything to do with who they are. That was a great question, Hunter. Because, you, I mean, you could technically run someone through a... Step-by-step. You know, step. Step-by-step step program. Yeah. Ten steps of being an awesome thesis. Christian. Yeah. yeah, but we can find that at, on any shelf at Lifeway, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I think what what we need as people is someone who is willing to get down into the mess with us and figure out what is it that me personally, what do I uh, need to see about myself that's hindering me from following the Lord? Um, yeah, so I guess the first go-to lessons would be I want to somehow help them understand their design and who the Lord made them to be. So anything that can get us to... Uh, see something about what makes their heart beat fast, uh, how they squirm, what do they hate? Because, I mean, as much as that's like, you can just see that in normal life, but I'm going to take all that and I'm going to wrap it all up in a pretty little bow and then present it to them in, in the form of the feedback and say, hey, did you have any idea that you do this? It is beautiful when you do it and you do a great job of it. I had no idea that the Lord made people to do this thing in this way. You know, yeah. uh, because you might have zero clue, yes. um, and, you know, and, and, and having yes. someone care about them, speak that identity to them is so powerful. Totally. It is so. because we don't realize, I, I think things about who we are inherently, who God has designed us to be, they feel so natural to us that we often think everybody else is just the same way we are. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I didn't realize when I was a little kid, hey, it's really weird that you're so obsessed with reading. Maybe you should, like, (laughs) do something with that. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Whereas if we had been friends when we were children, we would have immediately seen, oh, my goodness, people, the Lord made people different. Uh, Along with talking about identity, maybe the second pillar would be talking about faith or fear. Basically, show me the things that you're afraid of and I will show you the things you worship. Because when we when you get to that place that you're talking about, like just life has happened and there's so many layers on me. I can't even see who I am. Let's let's start at the tip of the iceberg then. Like what are you dealing with right now? Because if we can talk about what we're afraid of, eventually we're gonna see, man, our life is ordered behind um, keeping whatever it is that gives us that security. And so then we start to worship whatever it is that we fear losing or having. And and that has become our God. And so much of our behavior is then, I mean, you know this, directed at and toward that. And and that will help us then kind yeah. of de- deconstruct the person, if you will, to get down to the bare bones. Man. Okay. So for somebody who's listening and they're thinking, well, shoot, I want to make disciples, but I also really don't know who I, who I Mm. am personally. How could I ever walk somebody through discovering who they are if I don't really know who I am? What would your encouragement be to them? I want to encourage you that it is a lifelong process. Yes. For one, you know, uh, yeah. 
I hope that I am continually shown and kind of mm. hit in the face with, man, I didn't know that about myself. Or, you know what? I knew that and I thought I was over it, but here I am right back again. Yes. Um, it's That's just real life. Like, that's going to happen. Um, we are people that are habitual and we live in cycles. So give yourself the time and the grace to not know or understand or be perfect. And honestly, if you're making disciples, that's what they need to see in their disciple maker. Yes. That it is, it is not about how you have it all together or you totally. understand this, you know, they need to see what it looks like to follow Jesus in the midst of this confusion and misunderstanding and trust that he is enough regardless of how we can explain our theology of obedience, you know? Yeah. So I would, I would say one, just take a chill pill and, and give yourself some time. Uh, and then two, there's, there's probably a lot of really great resources. I, honestly, one, I would say go to counseling if you've never been. Um, I, counseling has been super helpful for me. Uh, having someone walk me through um, things in my past that I didn't know Basically, you know, it was, it was as if I verbally vomited in front of them and they just helped me sort through the chunks. I know that's disgusting. <laughs> I, so I think sometimes we need that. And yeah. Maybe, maybe not counseling. Maybe it's somebody that you really trust that's just really good at asking yeah. questions and helping you walk through things. I think the Lord gives us each other and community specifically in the church for that reason. So totally. uh, find somebody else to do that with. Um and then ask yourself as many questions as you can about why you do what you do. And the more that you can, um, more that you can be honest about what drives you and your motives, I think the more that the Lord will be very gracious in revealing what areas of our life that, you know, we, we want to look at a little more in order to bring under his lordship. Yeah. I love how you mentioned that leading from a place of vulnerability is so key. That's something that I have totally failed at. Um, <laughs> totally. And it makes me want to ask you, what are some of the most potent experiences that you've experienced as either a disciple maker or a disciple? Because as you're saying that, I'm thinking about this reel of instances in which yes. I have tried to seem so hardcore and all of my old baby roots are laughing. <laughs> and, um, you know, where looking back, I'm like, man, I just wish I would have done this or done this. And then I think about my mentors in college and how they chose vulnerability. They chose yeah. to talk to me about a struggle that they were having in their marriage, or they chose to talk to me about how exactly what you were saying, they're going through a dry season in the word or whatever it is. And those are some of my most potent experiences. So as a disciple, huh. Um, so there's the failure on my part and there's, there's, uh, you know, just God's grace in allowing me to see it done differently and done in a way that has shown me, okay, this is my, this might work a little bit better for you next time, honey. Um, <laughs> but tell me, tell me what some of yours are. Do you have any instances that stand out in just the history of following Jesus with following other people as you follow Jesus or leading others as you follow Jesus yourself? Oh gosh, yes, I'm sure I have so many and honestly I think my life <laughs> and anyone could say this but man I feel like my a series of different hilarious failures that thankfully we can laugh at but those are I mean discomfort has been the greatest teacher in my life. So 
you know, I, I have started to have the, the tendency to pride myself in, um, not necessarily having it together, but in a sense, like adulting really well, if you will. Um, <laughs> Oh. Because I was, I just never did that. I was always the flighty girl that had a whole lot of fun and loved people, but just, you know, for, forgot everything. Um, so, man, this year I can tell you about two separate instances where I just forgot to go to jury duty because I was, you know, having a great conversation with someone. And, um, you know, 30 minutes into it, I had to say, holy cow, uh, I, wow, <laughs> this is um, like a legal issue right here. I know. Hey, I've talked to the judge. We're totally fine. Okay, uh, I've since served my time. Uh, so little bitty things like that happen all the time. Um, I have, you know, you know. Last week, I I drove two girls. I thought this is this is a great opportunity for me to just bring some people along with me while I just do normal things. So I think I was going to the grocery store. I got two girls. They hopped in the we got about halfway and I ran out of gas and I didn't even have my wallet to pay for groceries, <laughs> much less gas. Okay. Oh. So these sweet girls who I'm saying, follow me, imitate me, say, <laughs> it's fine, Caitlin, we'll pay for your gas. You know, and here I am, this 28 year old girl thinking I have it all together and like, woof. So that is so I, great. Little, little things happen like that all the time. But, but I do remember very, one very specific time when um, I actually had my feelings hurt by someone that was discipling me, I, I mm. thought they, uh, one, didn't understand, two, were being super stubborn and bold in a, in, a, in a place where I just didn't want them to, like, I wanted to be listened to and cared for, and instead they, they chose to speak truth in a way that I thought was mm. hurtful. And, you know, people encouraged me to to go to them. And I remember being so scared to bring it up, but saying something like, I, I don't even know how to talk about this, but you really hurt my feelings and I feel myself pulling away from you. And that conversation that occurred after that will forever remain in my mind because they responded in the most caring, gentle, humble way possible where they could have, I mean, absolutely could have said, Hey, you needed to hear this and you need to suck it up because you're a big girl. Like, listen to this. Instead, they affirmed me, you know, they, they made sure that I knew that they cared about me and loved me. Um, and, and then apologized. That was huge for me for someone to say, man, I, I did that wrong and I'm so sorry. Um, thanks for letting me know because I, I want to be able to lead you in the way that you want to be led. So I think, yeah, failures, conversations like that, at least for me, it was really helpful to see someone with some uh, great capability be really, really humble. Totally. Because it just points you to Jesus. It's like, okay. Okay. Oh. You know, that that is parenting 101, my friends, if you don't have kids. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Let me be the expert. All you need is the gospel. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, mommy and daddy, we don't bat a thousand. And this is exactly what it looks like for us to come to the feet of Jesus, you know, every single time that we mess up. So it's just such a sweet picture, I think, of that, you know, and getting to walk through that with another another person is just so vulnerable and so sweet. So 
I think you could probably just add to your definition of discipleship. Just discipleship equals parenting. You know, honestly, <laughs> I don't know why we don't just say that in the beginning. Oh, man. Right. Yes. Discipleship. Yes. You're you are both having to be tethered to Jesus, such a disciple and pouring it all out into these little people. But I do really love Gloria Furman's definition, um, nurturing life in the face of death. And she talks about how that's what like mothering really is. So um, it's kind of become my definition for discipleship as well. That's good. That's good. I like it, but I liked yours a lot. And I got to go back and rewind this and type it down in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have any tools that you'd like to share with us for discipleship? This could be specific or it could just be really general. Yeah, actually. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you got me here. If if you want tools on disciple making, I first actually would say the most important tools for me have just been disciples that keep tools that keep me a disciple. Hmm. So, uh, I've recently really been enjoying um, The Handbook to Prayer by Kenneth Boa. Have you ever explored that? Do you know no, what I'm talking about? I need this. So, Prayer is one is, of my weakest disciplines, I think. Girl. Besides the cry out SOS, like, oh, no, Lord, Davy's just waking <laughs> yeah. up from her nap. Help me, God. <laughs> I need this. Yes. But the, the discipline of prayer is absolutely so. I mean, everyone we, yes, we we need to be praying. I have found most recently in my life that I tend to uh, do what you were talking about earlier. Go do what needs to be done, yeah. and and just forget that um, I could actually probably stop doing what I'm doing. And the Lord could accomplish that for me if I really believed. So, um, prayer is something that I just I we all. But man, I'm learning that I need to continually remind myself of who I am and who the Lord is, um, authoritatively. So the, the handbook to prayer is basically a, a way that we pray scripture back to God. He has multiple different sections in a day's prayer. I think he starts with adoration and then there's a confession and a renewal and a petition. Uh, there's Thanksgiving intermission or intercession. Sorry. So, but each one is just two or three scriptures and you read the scriptures and I mean, pause and reflect on, you know, what you need to talk to the Lord about or express your thoughts on that. It's just, it's been very, it's basically a guided way nice. to pray. So that has been huge. Who was it? Um, Have you heard that quote by Martin Luther? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. This has really punched me in the face as a mom because exactly what you said there are oftentimes days where I feel like I have so much going on that I just have time to do the SOS on the go prayer. But Martin Luther, he has this quote that says, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours oh. in prayer. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. I need that like tattooed on my eyelids, please. And honestly, man, I needed to hear that even today because I'm willing to wake up super early in the morning to get a workout in, mm. uh, you know, and then man, I'll get girl, done. you need to rub that off on me too. 
so hilarious. <laughs> uh, you taught me that. Let's be real. So <laughs> like, yeah, it, I mean, it's just a, it's a revelation of where my heart is because if I can wake up yeah. at five and work out and then feel like I need to get started on my day's work without pausing to, to look at the mirror of scripture before I do those things, that says a lot about the importance that I see in the very word of God, you know, totally. uh, as a, as opposed to what my body looks like and how I'm training it. So yeah. that's a punch got for me. So handbook to prayer is great. I would say, man, second practical discipleship resource. If you want to know how to make disciples or be a disciple, Jesus is probably the best example. So I would reread the gospels over and over and over again and look at how, uh, one, Jesus leads his disciples and two, how his disciples follow. They're not always the best, uh, examples, but we are just like them. So I think it's very revealing. So um, one of my, actually my Bible teacher in high school challenged all of us to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John four times a year. And that is so mm. cool. Uh, but man, I mean, I've been convicted that I am following Jesus, but do I, do I know him? Like, do, do I know how he would react in a certain situation? You know, do I, do I know what makes him smile? Do I mean, and that's not just a pithy, silly thing to think about, but do I know this Jesus God man that I am following? Um, so yeah, read, read the gospels. And then if you want just very practical books on discipleship, I actually really love a book called The Great Omission by Dallas Willard. Have you, have you read? I haven't. I've read a couple other Willard books, but I haven't read that. I'm excited about doing so. Kind of. It's kind of, he's kind of heady. He's heady, but this is a smaller book. It's part of his, I think it's a, you could call it a spiritual trilogy, sort of. But The Great Omission basically says, hey, we have forgotten the part of the Great Commission that the Lord gave to actually make disciples. Wow. We are all about being Christians and following, but but what is it inside of us that has said we we do not need to follow that command? And then he he breaks down what it actually looks like to make a disciple. So he's okay, going to be you sold me. Let's, way more that's good. Yeah, listen to him, not me. And then, uh, I mean, obviously, the cost of discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a one inch punch for yourself, and it will also inform the way that you make disciples. Man, so, I haven't even, you know, it's crazy. I am a huge Bonhoeffer <laughs> fan. I have actually read all of the letters from Dietrich Bonhoeffer to his fiance while he was imprisoned. Anyways, he's an awesome guy. I haven't even read the whole book, The Cost of Discipleship. When you said that, I'm like, I haven't even read that. Oh my gosh. And you're so intense, Hunter. I love <laughs> all of Whatever. You probably know all the info, but. Uh, no, definitely not. I've read excerpts. I need to go back and read that. That's such a good, that's a, that's a staple. Oh. It is. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to. Oh, you know what? I thought of one more. I know I'm talking a lot, but the, uh, I am, I'm not even done with this book. So this is a, a risky sell, but I am, I am so about it so far. It is called You Are What You Love. Ooh. And man, I might even just need to Google who it's by. Uh, yeah, you are what you love. Oh man, it is going to uh, one challenge you as you try to order your life in a manner that puts you in positions and places of readiness to to hear what the Lord would have for you, and it will also 
absolutely direct the way that you go about asking others to follow you as you do that. I mean, it is, I, I can't say enough about it so far. My girl, yeah. I got some work to do. Do <laughs> I got to go pray for three hours first, though. Me <laughs> <laughs> so, too, cancel all plans. Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay, well, I think I got a little bit ahead of us because I want to still hear, you know, that's part of the three questions that I ask every guest, but I still want to hear from you. And I, this is how have we done 55 minutes? It feels like it's been five to me, number one. But number two, most importantly, I want to hear how discipleship has really changed you as you've been a disciple and as you've been making disciples. Man, uh, again with the question, Hunter. <laughs> I need to answer this too. I, I feel bad because I like ask, I'm like, oh, great question, great question. And then I'm like, man, if somebody asked me this, this would be really hard. This would be hard. So I empathize. <laughs> mm, so, man, discipleship has changed me. I mean, I wish, I, I don't know that I'm going to have words to describe exactly how the Lord's used other people in my life to, to yield my heart toward his. But I think, I think the most life altering moments and lessons had less to do with what the people were doing necessarily or teaching. And it had everything to do with how and where they were leading me. And that was to a place of like a position of readiness to hear the truth, openness, humility to actually listen to what God and his word was saying to me. And I think the Lord used those people to cultivate within me a desire to, to first of all, before I knew much, I just knew I wanted to have whatever they had. Yeah. Even if I didn't know what it was, I just knew, man, yes. they, they have that and I want it. I have this longing inside of me that, that I know can't be satisfied by anyone but Jesus, but I don't know how to get there, you know? And, um, I think discipleship changed me because it, it revealed the massive mountain that is and was my sin. Mm. And at the same time, it made that sin look so small in the face of how huge the Lord's grace and love is um, because of his massive plan to rescue his people. And and I love that the Lord was gracious enough to even allow me to experience that through relationship with people because even had I learned just great skills from them and they could have mentored me with, you know, wonderful life lessons, but, but they were willing to to literally get in the mess with me and, and let me cry my eyes out even year after year um, in a way that allowed me to see, you know what, it is just so not about me. And it is actually all about this man, God, that, that they love so much. So I got to have him. I got to. Dude. I had to close my eyes when I was listening to that because I'm just so encouraged. Thank you. Oh, great question. (laughs) I need to go journal. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much because this is just a great reminder for those of us that, you know, are following Jesus that it's just about following him. It really is. And man, it's so sweet that he would use us. You know what I mean? To encourage other people. Um, just through, as a byproduct. Too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like what? 
what? Yeah. What are you going to be a part of? This is crazy. And my heart is aflame just thinking about it. And I'm so thankful that you would share um, part of your experience. And y'all need to go and find Caitlin Barra. Oh, Caitlin Sullins. I'm so uh, sorry. It's a good throwback. I love that, though. <laughs> All my college friends just called me Farah. Like, my name wasn't yes. even Caitlin. So You're that's so fun. Caitlin Farah in my phone. And I, like, will mm-hmm. go and look for Sullins. And then I'm like, oh. Farah, she's still a Farah. You're not a Farah anymore. Changes hard, people. Changes hard for me, having known you formerly as a Farah. But y'all need to go find her and follow her, even if it's from afar. Which that's a whole nother topic. How do you follow people from afar? But (laughs) (laughs) let's hold another podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I need to interview you about that one. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Later. Well, later. (laughs) Yeah. Oh well. You know, while we're still kind of on the topic, I usually ask these questions at the end in a little bit of a different order. Um, But while we're on the topic of how discipleship has changed you, I'd love to hear about who has been the biggest influencer in your own journey with Jesus. You know, I feel privileged to actually have a difficult time answering that question. That's, That's really cool that I would have to choose between people. So praise the Lord for that. Um, you know, shout out to my parents if they're listening to this. <laughs> this uh, does feel a bit like a Grammy speech, doesn't it? I know. I need to thank them. Uh, honestly, yeah. Um, so Your parents are amazing, though. I've thought about having your mom on the show because you have a uniquely healthy relationship with your mother and it's really cool yeah all props to her again so honestly they've they've definitely had the most influence on me personally as well yeah okay let's just go there so I could choose so many people but I'm gonna say my mom um and maybe a combo of my mom and my dad but here's what is so stinking cool my my littlest memory of my mom and probably because I've told this story so much is, is coming to her when I had a friend over and, and expressing some sort of like displeasure, you know, she wasn't doing what I wanted to or whatever. And, and instead of my mom saying, you know, what I imagine I would as a mom, like, Hey, have a better attitude, get back in there and, you know, serve her guts out or whatever. Um, be a big girl. My mom said, Oh, you know what, Caitlin, that sounds so hard. And that happens a lot of times when we follow Christ, we don't get to do what we want to do for the sake of somebody else, but we get to sacrifice. And guess what? You have the Holy Spirit inside of you because you are a follower of Christ. So guess what? You're going to go outside, get on the swing set, and you're just going to pump it out. Okay, pump out all those emotions and then ask him, and she said this exact phrase, to fill your fruit basket with joy, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) I Um, love it. But we had been talking about the free Uh, spirit. I I think I was four at the time, you know? Wow. Since I was a child, man, and she would say, no, I had no idea what I was doing. I was horrible, but... I just, like, I can't imagine, um, it's just such a privilege to, to have grown up in a way where I, I don't remember a time when I didn't know Jesus as Lord of my life. Mm. And, and that is all thanks to the way that they chose to steward my very stubborn, prideful, uh, life. 
but but they did it in a way that caused me in every moment to at least know, okay, again, it's not about me. There's a bigger picture here. And uh, she made it fun too, which I think I, I want to do with, with the way I make disciples. Man, Lori Farah, coming Lori on the podcast, Farrah. people, for parenting. Yeah. This is the unofficial invitation. I'll send her an email <laughs> later. Goodness gracious. I just wish I could get in the presence of the Farrah girls so I could get discipled. I need y'all. Well- we need you, hunty. We need you. Oh, man. Okay. Well, you are one of the most joy-filled people that I know, and I love that about you. And you have this unique just ability to have fun that I don't understand, <laughs> and I wish I knew. But one of the questions that I ask every every single guest that comes on the show is, what are your three simple joys? And I can't wait to hear yours. Oh, okay. First of all, I totally should have thought about this because there are so <laughs> many but that is part of my problem in life. Um, so let's let's just go. This is off the fly. What am I enjoying? My first simple joy, and this is really hard because there's just so many, is any form of water that has been infused with carbonation yes. that is flavored with, I don't care. Like I'm not even a, a, a huge health nut like I eat pretty healthy but if there is carcinogen containing sugar in my drinks I'm okay with that you know like bring on the aspartame but I am a huge fan so do you (laughs) purchase your drinks or do you have a carbonator yourself oh no I wish I were that cool you can teach me how but no I know nothing but Brooks is all over this he's (laughs) a LaCroix obsessed he's obsessive with LaCroix and he's decided that he's gonna buy his own carbonator I, I think love that's that. what it's called. But yes, I can't wait. Teach the me how. The are on board. We're going to have to bring you some. We're coming to Tyler this summer. Maybe we Girl! can bring yeah. you. I don't know if it will last that long, but we could see if it matches up. What? So what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite brand? Okay, I have multiples. So obviously mm. I like LaCroix, but I mostly like that so that I can say like, oh, LaCroix, you know, and act on <laughs> like, uh, I get my money on trees. Uh. <laughs> um, but there's actually one called Clear American. I've only found it at Walmart. But Classy. man, it's a throwback. I used to drink it in eighth grade and I found it the other day and realized this is so good. It's a little sweeter than LaCroix, but still just water. plastic bottle? I think I've comes had in that. plastic bottle. I also found it in can form, though. So nice. I do take like your cans. pick, choose your own adventure. Okay. So, First simple joy. Number first two. First simple joy. Carbonated water. Second simple joy. Man, just because it's on my mind, and this is not simple at all. But this morning I spoke to a room of about a hundred high school girls on sexuality, and I am so pumped about the the. I don't know, having a proper theology of sex and man, Mm. that's a whole nother podcast, but, uh, my simple joy would probably be that, uh, talking to high schoolers about sex is one of the most freeing, awkward, wonderful things that I've done in a really long time. (laughs) So I wish I I could could have seen their faces. Yes. I wish I could communicate to you what it was like, but it was, it was some of the most fun that I've had in a really long time. All right. Podcast number three that we're recording is you giving that talk. Theology of sex, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, that sounds amazing, actually. I mean, really cool. Good good subjects and really challenging good things for me to learn. But, so, yeah, that wasn't so simple, but that's a joy. Speaking in general is a joy for you, too, right? It is? Okay, man, I've been thinking about this. I, 
maybe you have those things that you feel like are in your wheelhouse, like you're good at them, but they're really hard to do. Really? That's that's interesting for me to hear from you because when I look at you speak, I think, man, she's such a natural at this. Oh my gosh. It is as if, no, no, I, I really enjoy speaking. And when I do it, I get great feedback. Like people tell me, hey, you should keep doing this, which is really encouraging. But I, I mean, probably... The whole day, I mean, literally, that was this morning. I woke up from 5 a.m. until 10.30 when I spoke. I felt like I needed to, um, what's what's a proper way to say this? Evacuate uh, my, like, I just was so sick to my stomach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Anxious, I, I pit sweats. I have to, it just takes a really long time. Anyways, that's so way What do you much. feel like afterwards? Afterwards, I feel incredible relief. Um, Are you exhausted? I am so exhausted. I am both in ah, life and exhausted. So very it's a interesting. very strange. It's the way I feel after I've been with a huge crowd of people. I am just enlivened and on top of the world. I also could immediately take a nap. Yes. So, See, when I was this, now we're just kind of off on a tangent love- here, rabbit trail. But when I was trying to figure out, you know, different things that God had gifted me in, I would always ask myself, well, did I get excited? And speaking is one of those things that I, again, I feel like I got hit by a train after I speak. And I still don't think that I'm gifted in speaking, by the way. But Mm -hmm. I was talking with another mentor about it. And she said, no, I think you might just feel like you're, like scripture says, you're like a drink offering. You're like a cup that's been poured out. And -hmm. I wonder if that might be what you're feeling. I don't think it's a way. I actually feel like I literally get hit by a train. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing positive. (laughs) <laughs> I literally feel like death right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but anyways, as you were speaking, I was like, I wonder if that's the way she feels like just kind of poured out like you've given all you have laid it all down at the on stage, if you will. Yeah, definitely. I can I can say amen to that sister. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can get you need to get together with um, the fourth podcast guest, Amy Ward. Um, I think you guys would have a lot in common. She's the one who also recommended to pray restore to me the joy of my salvation i think you could have a good conversation come on amy let's be friends yeah all right so third simple joy hit me with it okay my third simple joy man making bread okay are you making it with my grandma's starter oh my gosh that's your grandma's is it my grandma did you get it from elizabeth seifrey Yes, I had no That's idea. That's my grandmother's I was starter. Your grandmother's bread, Hunter. <laughs> it has changed my life. I don't. I eat cannot bread. wait to tell her this. This oh, is so goodness. great. I don't. I'm serious. I have. I, I mean, I pretty much have sworn. It's amazing. Food. It like, is amazing. Is it not? It's sourdough bread. Uh, so I feel like it's better are, for you. Yes. If you were hearing this, you need to get on the train and get Hunter to. <laughs> oh my gosh, to give you this recipe, y'all. It is so good. It is the. The perfect marriage of like a, a, a sweet, dense bread that you can eat by itself. Have you made cinnamon the, rolls? No, just the, I'm serious. Just the bread loaves and this in and of itself has been <laughs> an adventure. And I started because I needed to become domestic. I felt like there was nothing in my There's life. There's nothing more domestic than this, though. Yes. You like have, have to go the whole nine yards. I had no idea it was such an involved process. I'm not, I mean, it takes a full, what, 48 hours? Well, you got to keep the starter alive to be, to, for first oh, yeah. thing. Oh, let's, let's, 
I didn't say I've done that very well, but um, <laughs> who's doing that? As long as somebody in your area has the starter alive at any given moment, you can get it back. I just keep knocking on the door and saying, it's me again. You know why I'm here. So, uh, but man, yeah, I think making bread has been super fun. It, it makes me feel like Betty Crocker, but there's a reason Jesus said he was the bread of life, you know? <laughs> just gonna leave that right there yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll we'll exegete later (laughs) oh well my friend it is a delight talking to you and every single time i do i think why do we not get to do this more are you on voxer we need to get on voxer if not make it happen sounds like i need to make it happen then Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us i respect you so much i love getting to watch you follow Jesus and to be discipled as a byproduct of that, even at a distance. So thank you so much for the way that you follow him. What a gift, Hunter. Totally. Thanks for having me. Man, I get so fired up talking about discipleship. I have absolutely experienced what Caitlin was talking about when she said that discipleship is a mutual transformation. I left this conversation inspired to continue pursuing discipleship relationships both as a disciple and a disciple maker. If you want to learn more from Caitlin, be sure to follow her on social media at the handles listed in the show notes. On another note, y'all blew me away with your receptivity to the launch last week. Thank you so much for submitting reviews and sharing the show with your friends. That is truly the most helpful thing you can do to help the Journey Women podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm so looking forward to being with you guys again on Monday. Follow along throughout the week at Journey Women Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. I'll see you guys next week.